Welcome to FMRPG. I'm Richie Buzzkill, the tabletop RPG show that makes sure your mom also rolls initiative while we're while she's getting Cheetos for us. Uh, I have uh, tonight. I have uh, Kayla with me once again. Hi, I'm Kayla. It's me. And I have uh, Noland. What's up, Nolan? Not much. Doing well. Yourself? You know, we we've we've just had some major events, and I it has uh, has reinvigorated uh, me to come back and like be on screen again. Uh, and that those major events are we finished your Marvel uh, superheroes game, and we just got back from Gen Con. Like, oh, it was like two weeks ago, but like it, I'm still recovering. I mean, you were still recovering last week, so you know. <laughs> a little bit of laryngitis here and there it'll be fine and, and uh kayla has been traveling all over the world for more weddings because we're all that age where people are getting married still so true got lost in the Northwoods for a while there are places in the united states that still do not have cell phone or internet access and i found that out recently oh that I mean, you could probably write an RPG about how scary that is for people. I really wanted to run a horror RPG while we were there. I was like, this is this needs to happen. We need to purgatory house or we need to like, I don't know, kids on bikes. Something creepy needs to happen. I don't know. I mean, it never happened. Yeah, that that is like sort of the, you know, there's always we, we for those that are just joining us uh we talked about we have this uh ongoing friend convention where we all kind of get together in one place our group of friends and there is always this element of like well if we just go get a cabin in the woods right then it is like the mo it, aka it's the the plot of the movie will eventually write like we're gonna go play rpgs in the woods and shit goes wrong and and or it's this creepiest shit because we don't have phone and internet right so we are disconnected from our modern selves and our secondary brains are no longer helping us right and so that's that's there's always like there's always a vote or two or a hey what if we do this every time we'd cycle around talking about this but we also uh the uh, kayla's castle uh, the Lady Kale's Castle is amazing, so I, I think that's probably where we're going to end up for a while. So, um... <laughs> Unfortunately, the desire to have like food and beer and stuff nearby always wins out. <laughs> right. The idea that we don't really want to cook our way through a weekend, because that's kind of the the downside of like, you know, going doing your own thing. And I mean, it's kind of nostalgic in my head, but I haven't had to do it in 20 some years so maybe i i would think it would suck <laughs> the biggest horror story we could tell having to cook for ourselves yeah and well it's the dishes really the cooking i think we, <laughs> we have a lot of people enjoy the cooking it's the it's the dishes and pans and pots scrubbing pots True. all weekend like when when inevitably someone makes something like and burns it and i mean we're actually pretty decent cooks for the most part but like 
there's going to yeah. be, you know, one of those pans that just sucks. So something's going to go sideways at all. Yeah. Right. Um, but you know, we're the, the horror, you know, we'll get to the, you know, it was a, it wasn't a horror show, but it's always a bit of a horror show at Gen Con. So we'll get to that later after we talk about what we've been up to, which is, it's been a while since we talked about what we've been up to, uh, and uh, it's mostly been playing Marvel superheroes and doing kind of our other standard games on the side, right? Yep. Um, Good old 1980s phase rip Marvel TSR. Yeah. Um, well, before before that, because we we're gonna we're gonna spoil the ending because Kayla didn't come to the end the last uh, episode of <laughs> of Marvel. I believe you're like Tyler's giant game he was running ended while we were not online right that you finally got to finish that yeah three, three plus year D campaign uh yeah our three and a half year D campaign the oh, no. um the mad mage hold on uh bandwidth is low is bandwidth low okay well all right, that that'll be fun for those on YouTube because the uh, <laughs> the Zoom bandwidth went down and got all of our images real low. So let's see how that goes, everybody. Uh, so well, I mean, was it a satisfying ending? Because that's that's always the question about these long three-year campaigns. Uh, yeah, it was it was a good ending. We almost all died. Um. But our wizard saved his first and only cast of wish for when all his friends were dead to wish them back to life. So, so we weren't all dead. We were rolling death saves at that oh, point. Okay. But he wished for us all to be restored to full health and was successful. And that allowed us to clinch an epic victory from what was absolutely going to be a TPK if he had not done that. Right. Well, I mean, while I think that's the mo the the most productive version of Wish, because it's least less likely to boomerang back upon you, it still should boomerang back upon you. I, I am a bit old school when I think about Wish, is it it should oh, be a, a lesson every time. That's the kind That of messes you up. If you cast it, even though he just brought us back from death saves, um, it like drops you to like, I think it's no strength, basically. So you can't stand up anymore. Uh oh, well, <laughs> there's a big consequence to casting. it. Well, that's kind of rad. Like, I'm so... um, I uh, I think that that's um. Yeah, that's kind of cool because uh, that's kind of how in Dungeon Core Classics you have to kind of like if you want to make sure that you get a good result on the table, you kind of have to spend some of your stats to do so. So uh, temporarily. Yeah, I I don't know that it like drops you instantly. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think it may be like one of those every single time it hits your turn, you go lower and lower to a certain point mm. or like whenever you use any other spells, um, it drops you. But there is a big consequence to 
using Wish um, that thankfully we were towards the end of the fight and he didn't have to really suffer the the consequences of because that recharge shoot we had a fighter that had over 300 hit points um so he went from death saves to 300 again so um and uh you might tell tyler to turn down whatever he's streaming because you're he's killing your bandwidth so (laughs) he's playing Baldur's gate oh the bastard so you should tell him to quit it i'll send him a message (laughs) go play a real game (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um anyway uh yeah so we we uh we were playing marvel superheroes over the summer right Mar- nolan's it was mostly yep. yeah after our uh on this very podcast we uh talked about superheroes and rpgs and what that meant and what the history of that and so forth and uh yeah afterwards as i recall you had a an interest in playing old old phase rip marvel well it was it was the um actually the game i I actually wanted to play right off the bat was just rolling a random ass character with the random ass character generation for marvel superheroes yeah we did that one night yeah which is like the most it's it's somehow it somehow makes a cohesive character most of the time. And I still don't know how that that's like a magic trick to me. Like I don't, yeah. <laughs> cause it doesn't No, It doesn't you, always, no, but... it doesn't always, but n- the tables are not coherent in any way, shape or form. And yet right. somehow when you're rolling, I'm like, okay, I can get that. I can get that. I can get that. And it, I mean, I did trade something out, but it was like, yeah. like that was within the rules of like, optional powers you could take like yeah right that was something we frequently didn't use years ago in high school it was like everybody just has to roll their numbers with it but the rules as written say like a lot of those characters have a lot of characters a lot of those uh, uh powers you can roll on the table have like complementary powers and you can forego one of your random rolls to take of another power to take the complementary power uh and make a free choice there. So that that's kind of one of the tricks of how it, you know, keeps you somewhat coherent is that, you know, if you get fire generation, then you might also get fire manipulation. So you can actually control instead of just setting things on fire and hoping I mean, for the best. I mean, that is kind of the most fun. Let's be honest. It's just I mean, like, we're just going to set you, things on fire. I don't need to control it. Like that would be, right. that would be unplayer character. Like <laughs> exactly. Um, no, but those. What am I, a superhero? Yeah, those uh, those tables in the you know Ultimate Power Book are super, super, super wonky. Like you can literally random roll up everything from a street level, whatever character like Daredevil or something, straight all the way up to freaking you know Caleb rolled a goddess, right? Like Thor, kind of situation (laughs) like you can roll it all and that was one of the selling points of the old marvel phase rip ages and ages ago you know that that giant table in the back you know allows galactus to exist in the same world with squirrel girl and everybody else right galactus Mm -hmm. should be squirrel should be scared of squirrel girl let's i mean obviously he should but (laughs) um yeah like 
I um I really think that it's it's one of those games that demonstrates the what I like to call balances wishful thinking and you might as well just go with not balancing anything because it just seems to people just figure out how you know like the world is not balanced for real like why why balance your game <laughs> clearly this right. is the better choice as long as you can't actually choose the thing and you just randomly get the thing then why why you know Maybe yeah, that's those... that's the balance is like you can't just pick the thing. Right. Those few roles you make at the start of character creation are literally the most important roles you will ever make in the whole game. Right. Like, you know, determining what you you know what type of superhero you are, whether you're, you know, a mutant or an altered human or a, you know, god or whatever. And then, you know, finding out how many powers you have. Because you can roll low on how many powers you have and not have very many powers. Like, it's wild, right? Uh, and then, you know, just randomly generating your powers and your stats, like, that can, those, those, those few, you know, half dozen to a dozen rolls at the start of the game, that's like going to do it. Cause like the advancement is kind of shit in the, <laughs> the advancement system is kind of shit. Oh boy. Yeah. That, that, the advancement. <laughs> I love that it 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 the advancement system helps you um keep the characters on a good guy superhero footing because you don't get uh what is it called the karma it's karma. called karma you don't get good you don't get karma unless you do good things right yeah and and yes it's and judging act like a, you. act like a big damn hero yeah right but it takes so much karma to do any to get anywhere like hundreds and hundreds of karma to just move your stat one category that it's it is kind of ridiculous like i think i could have done it but you have to like buy up each point and each point each time you go for further and further it costs more and more and it costs and then you have to pay a big penalty for crossing the border between one level and you know from uh you know feeble to poor and poor to good or poor, poor to typical you know typical to good so far yeah when you cross those boundaries between uh the ranges that the stats live in then you pay an extra penalty and like yeah it's and you know as far as the book's concerned like the suggested awards are like not at all commiserate with the system that's <laughs> hundreds and hundreds and no, it's more commiserate from for spending it on rolls to make them work. That's... Yeah, and that is one of the tricks is that the uh, the karma is both experience points to advance your character and a meta currency where you can say, "Hey, I'm going to spend some of my XP because I really want to succeed this time." You know, I need to. You know, I'm a big damn hero, and this is the critical moment in the thing where I throw the switch and save my friends or what it right you can make sure you succeed that at that point but you are spending your xp for advancement right right um so yeah my, my favorite use of that the karma spend was being able to like pair up powers and use them together oh yeah which you i guys... was bound and determined to turn into its own like attack 
<laughs> yeah. You, um, you so are the only my, one who did any serious. Tell my my character had telepathy or yeah telepathy and um cosmic awareness all of cosmic yes, awareness, cosmic awareness. <laughs> the uh the knowledge of the universe and i was like i want to stream that into other people's heads as a weapon <laughs> yeah you that also fun. yeah you were the only one to really seriously play with the uh the power stunting ability which is in there which is to say you know like Sometimes you'll see Iceman has ice generation and, you know, in the old 80s cartoon or whatever, he used to blast ice in front of him so he could like skate around New York City with (laughs) Spider-Man on ice bridges and so forth. Uh, And that's the whole notion of the power stunting in the system is like, oh, you have a certain power, but you want to use it to kind of achieve the ends of a different power or tweak it slightly from its main use you can try and do these what's called power stunts and like the more frequently you do them the more routine they become the more uh the more you can bring them in and eventually they just become another kind of version of the power uh that you have uh the book has weird things to say about that by the way they tell you that uh if you find legitimate original like marvel comic books where the character you're playing has used a power at least three times, then you can justify to your GM, <laughs> your character, that if you're playing Spider-Man and he's used his webbing as a, you know, whatever, a slingshot, you know, like three times in the comic book, that he that your character should have this power stunt to do this. <laughs> hey, hey, kids. Hey, kids. <laughs> Buy our comic books. Buy more comic books. Buy all the comic books, kids. You don't this, this role playing game that could you could play forever. Matter of fact, you could play for forty some years. That doesn't replace you buying our comic books. You just need to keep buying our comic books. This is what's funding this. <laughs> buy yep. more comics. Well, TSR thought they should buy more comic books too, so they eventually ended up selling their own comic books and fucking over their uh, license with T- with uh, Marvel, which was, you know, one of the more nice, profitable parts. One of the more, the... one of the more smart things that <laughs> leadership oh, yeah. at TSR got up to back in the day. Uh, yeah. Someday we'll do a history of TSR uh, episode because it's a, it's a wild Stupid ideas ride. from TSR leadership. Yeah. Uh, yes. <clears throat> but uh, in our particular instance of the Marvel universe, which I think even got a number just to sate someone that was into the the numbered universe. <laughs> yes. Um which I don't remember which it, it uh, irrelevant but it did irrelevant. Get, it did get a number. Um uh it was the 1980s and yeah. uh had an alternate timeline starting in World War II, right? So Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, we were playing in, you know, 1986. We had lots of uh lots of 80s weirdness uh going on. You know, I didn't want to do you know, I don't I, I'm not a big canon person in anything, so I wanted to I wanted to twist it somehow and bring it into kind of a different world that I can claim as my own and set up my own whatever. But yeah. Uh I think we talked about this once before. Oh uh, yeah, we been, we definitely did, but I just you know Yeah, just, just for to refresh it, the just... <laughs> Users, right? Yeah, that uh, you know, I invented an alternate history beginning in World War II, where uh, 
you know, the kind of uh, Superman kind of unbelievable, powerful uh, superhero evolved during World War II and discovered their powers and became the Paragon. And, you know, literally from uh, the 40s till the 80s, kind of uh, just altered reality to, you know, destroy nuclear weapons and ensure no villains got up to anything. And the world was just like, in some ways better and in some ways totally under his uh, control. Uh, But then he died in the 80s and everyone, you know, I created kind of, you know, something I like to do in a a campaign sometimes is like, start with a power vacuum. Like, okay, the somebody's been controlling the world for with their superpowers for decades and uh now they're dead and it's all y'all's problem <laughs> figure out what's gonna happen like all the super villains are crawling back out of the uh back out of the the muck and trying to assert themselves other people are trying to become heroes and you know replace them and uh and of course you know a good what would the 80s be without an Ayn Rand cult? Um. Well, <laughs> it wasn't just an Ayn Rand cult. It was an Ayn Rand cult, Ayn Rand cult, whatever. Yeah, uh, whatever. Uh, run by a vampire who yeah. uh, who was like, oh, you're a vampire too, so clearly you believe like I do, because I was playing a vampire, because <laughs> that's what I rolled. But So that was, that was an amusing uh, in- encounter. But essentially... It was it. I do like that it, we had like the song of the uh, of the the uh, the session. You'd send out yeah. a song and a little news update of what's happened in in the world in the that day that we're gonna have the have that uh, session. And um, you know, yeah, popularity is a big thing in Marvel. So I wanted like you know show you guys how you were like being reflected in the media, but also it served a good purpose to like put a few bullet points in there to like kind of bring everybody's mind back to like what was happening in the 1980s? <laughs> like what was happening around this time? Like, uh, yeah. So I, I thought that was helpful. I hope. It, it, I don't well, know if you guys it, liked it. <laughs> well, I, you know, it was like, Oh, a lot of those songs I'm like, Oh yeah. I forgot about that song. No, others I was like, oh no, not that song. <laughs> I have scar scars from listening to that song, and not because right. it's something you cut yourself to, but it just was like, ooh, <laughs> the eighties. But fun stuff nonetheless. Um so we had a uh we had a we had a romp. I mean, like uh, the uh we <laughs> We had recruited your your cult to help us do things, right, Kayla? That your yes. your goddess had a cult on Earth because she was popular yep. enough. <laughs> well, I had a church. I oh, had a right. church following. <laughs> Sorry, this is that like I refer to every religion as a cult thing yes. again. Sorry. <laughs> Apologies to everyone, not really, but sure. Um, yes, your church. We recruited your yes. church. <laughs> Lissa would insist that it's a church, right? And. She doesn't still understand why it was formed because where she's from, everyone's like her. So this makes no sense. Right. The 700 club, the 700 club did not approve of you. (laughs) Pat Robertson was not having it. Like, I'd like, oh, this is idolatry and this will not stand. Yeah. I'd like a whole storage (laughs) warehouse full of like 
random shit that people sent me because I decided that like while donations were probably a thing more likely people were like crocheting shit or sending random arts and crafts projects or like very strange things so that's what we had I had all of us had like our whole adventure league situation in crochet dolls somewhere in a warehouse <laughs> nice I mean it was um it, w it was it was great to just kind of randomly like run around and like oh there's another member of your church okay all right <laughs> clearly that's how we get into whatever uh, admin building we needed to get into for reasons of <laughs> yes i very much ended up being like the um the wonder woman type character that Definitely popped in and out at convenient times to them and <laughs> had a weird following. Right. And, and, you know, I definitely was, like I said, I think originally is like I was the rejected Neil Gaiman character, uh, vampire, you know, goth, uh, not goth, but like new wave goth kind of like. <laughs> so very, you know, live for 100 years as a as an immortal and you end up kind of like going with whatever trend is trendy at the time to that you feel comfortable with so that was um but he had been keeping a list of all the paragons uh ill ill associates uh since the 40s so he had he had a grudge that he was trying to grind the axe with and he he turns out he got to, he got his wish so that was fun yeah <laughs> because the uh paragon had fathered a child in france in in his adventures there uh during the war and it everybody found out about it and of course when god has a child and it's not being controlled or it's not can't control itself everybody wants a piece of that because you know you want more gods, right? You want to you want to control a god so you can get your way. So, um, he was in a dreamland that we had to venture forth into. So there was some fun, uh, trippy, uh, metaphorical adventure before we got to the hollowed out volcano where the the child was uh, kind of cocooned in it, and then of course. Just in the nick of time, the bad guys all showed up to fight over us. Fight over it. So, what? Why would an Anrand cult and the government want access to a god? That seems odd that they would want that. What? What could they possibly? <laughs> I, what could they possibly want? And then, of course, Nolan pulls the one card he hadn't pulled yet, and the government apparently was um, employing Yuri Geller. And kids, ask your grandparents about who Yuri Geller is and how much of a straight uh, fraud he was as a psychic spoonbender in the 1960s and 70s and early 80s. And uh, so the my favorite line of the whole campaign was, I'm going to spend karma so I can use Yuri Geller's head as a soccer ball. That was, that was, it was one of my favorite lines in the entire campaign so 
Jesus. Yeah, there were some interesting bad guys. You got Carl Icahn and Yuri Geller, and you know, I needed a bad guy psychic from the eighties. It was like, turns out, that, turns out it's going to be Yuri Geller. I mean, that's pretty easy. Uh, pretty easy call now that I think about it. But we were all, uh, one of the other players and I were like, oh, Yuri Geller. <laughs> so, uh, but it was a, a good old fashioned. Uh, everybody's fighting everybody. And then I'm not really super powerful enough. So I step into the, uh, try the trying to convince the child how to, uh, to, to, um, be, you know, to to rewrite reality. (laughs) Yeah. Rewrite reality for their own good and for my own amusement. So, and basically all the bad guys information got released and, uh, there was a whole fun shitstorm, you know, back when information actually did things to people. That was one of my things I enjoyed about the 80s is, you know, when, you know, your ill deeds came to light with actual uh, truth and uh, evidence that people actually went to jail. and that, There were consequences? Yeah. What? Yeah. That was, that was a fun, that was a fun nostalgia trip. Eh, someday, I'm hoping for nostalgia. Uh, consequences again everybody i think my favorite part about that game was the like weird side game that dan set up for just me really (laughs) which was a tour of dc (laughs) (laughs) that is true i set it in washington dc in the 1980s i tend to set those marvel things uh in a city i know well because yeah ai can show you stuff and like B, a lot of those things have, those tables and stuff have, you know, oh, you've got a slam result from, like, being a really huge, strong, you know, the Hulk guy and punching somebody. If you get a really great result, you'll get a slam result. And they'll fly 10 city blocks. And it's like, uh, that's a city I'm not familiar with. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where that is. But if it's a city I know, like, oh, 10 city blocks is, you land in right by this building. And, you know, I can... I can work yeah, with that. Yeah, that was uh that was one of my favorite parts actually when we were in that like water reserve and I punched someone a little too hard and realized that the direction that I punched them in would have landed them right in the hospital, like literally into the hospital. <laughs> and I was like, this is fantastic. Chef's kiss. <laughs> That's that is the fun of of running a game in a place you and I think we found that the Marvel Superheroes was actually developed in west lafayette indiana which is another place that some of us know something about which i think is kind of amusing that they i'm sure it's all about i mean marvel is based in new york let's be honest but yeah it's hilarious that they developed it in yeah at least one of the designers was apparently set their campaign in uh west lafayette indiana because as i was rereading the books to go through all this i found a side on a side comment in like the the core book that said like oh i play you know most of the default setting is new york city but set it in any city you like i set mine in west lafayette indiana i was like really (laughs) well 10 blocks is a lot smaller in west lafayette but (laughs) also if you just put it the same scale then you're just like punching people into cornfields like very likely yes or into the university you know (laughs) like there's not a whole lot of other things that they are punching people into Right. Um, well, is there anything else uh, 
want to talk about Marvel superheroes? Everybody have a good time? Uh, yeah. No, I had a great time. I, I had uh, a great time. I, I really enjoyed, like, you know, just pretending like I had my pop, popped collar and my, like, spiky black mullet hair thing that they wore and wearing a trench coat and not getting looked at because I was wearing a trench coat. Right, exactly. And, yeah. Yeah, I, I just loved I... being dumb, like stat-wise dumb, and having <laughs> cosmic awareness is one of my yeah. <laughs> my things. So instead of it being useful to me, I get to turn it into a weapon, of course, <laughs> because reasons. Great plan. It hurts my head, so it'll hurt other people's heads too. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think I hit about the tone I wanted to, right? Like there was a bunch of corruption, a bunch of badness you know but there was also some silly some comedy elements and so forth uh you know the bad guys were really bad and like whatever and superheroes weren't always right superheroes were often somewhere in a morally gray area but i didn't end up with you know the boys or you know any of these games where the superheroes are just like truly corrupt to the core and the whole thing is like whatever it still had some optimism to it but it was mostly bad people doing bad things i mean we we i think we had a good tone conversation which helped and i think that we all kind of like you know wanted to play the system which is the system i mean if i didn't want to play the system i could just have zero karma and just like be a bad guy right like no you could just be a i was like oh and, you know, the fact that I accidentally, you know, was uh, was spotted being a vampire once totally, you know, ruined my popularity for a little while, which was, was like, wait, don't they know? Anyway, never mind. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think I think that the tone was great. The um, the the iconic and, and and I'm using a bit of a pun because it's Carl Icahn as one of the bad guys. <laughs> Uh, characters, even though they were supposed to be good guys, they were definitely bad guys. I mean, actually, the icons, icons were not bad guys. He was; they were just being directed by bad guys. So, true. Yeah, there was. Yeah, def- and I do like the karma. I do like that aspect of the karma mechanic that if you kill people or, you know, wantonly allow destruction and so forth, you can lose karma. And if you kill somebody, you lose literally all of it, which is like. Losing all experience points you haven't spent to advance your character and losing all hope of like bumping up your roles and so forth. Like that's a pretty big penalty. And, you know, I'll frequently get criticism. I'll frequently hear criticisms of that game like that. Oh, you know, this is just some shackles they put on your character. So they can't, you know, do these kinds of things that are out of genre. And like it does like make you think about doing it. But I will also say that the times I've had people do it and say fuck my karma i hate this guy so much i'm fucking killing him like that's a much more impactful moment in that kind of system where like my character is willing to throw away their advancement to fucking kill this guy because they have really i've really had it with them but so i i can i still like the system i liked i liked the karma it was interesting like i can see the benefits of having that as like a push for you know from a therapeutic lens like i'm always making my people play good or at least neutral not evil people and that would definitely uh 
put that incentive in there to keep them on the good side of things. Right. So. Well, yeah, that, and, um, it, 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 it is a system that reinforces the feel of the universe. So that's good. So, um, well, I mean, what we'll talk about our other, big event i know uh and we some of us uh, kayla couldn't come this year but some of us we usually you know she usually gets to to gen con but was not able to this year but gen con everybody hey uh you know now that my my voice sounds like i've just got back from gen con so <laughs> um but yeah it biggest year ever seventy thousand people you know Felt big when we were there. It was too many damn people in Indianapolis bursting at the seams. Like, seriously. yeah, it's really, really full at this point. Like, yeah, all, all the trying to get a hotel and everything, you know, just gets harder every year. And it's like, it's not getting smaller. So, yeah, it, I, I it, it's probably too big at this point for where it is. But, but they just signed a a deal to stay there longer. Another seven years to 2020, 2030. So, um, yeah, it, it, I mean, there was like, and there were some interesting logistical uh, choices that they made that made it hard to get. There was this line for this silly card game that just kind of like something about mount something the mouse made or something. yes yeah, that just never ended this line just kept forming and reforming it was and you had to kind of like weave in and out of it to get anywhere so like that was actually the game oh like... well if that was the game then what were they selling on ebay for enormous amounts of money um but i mean just like the the like the ropes that they were the the poles and mm -hmm. the ropes. They were just oh. selling those on eBay. Commemorative ropes. Yeah. <laughs> signed by every by all, I I passed away here and just signed the <laughs> the rope or whatever the pole. Um, Did they still have the giant uh, board game bags this year roaming the halls? Yes. Uh. So they haven't uh, banned backpacks, and also the the disturbing trend I saw. Besides the, you know, these board game backpacks that are literally the size of a person on people's back backs that will like, if they turn, they're just going to push people out of the way. The other one that, um, the other one was, I saw people with suitcases, like roller bags with them on the show floor. And like, like not on Sunday, like, no, like on Thursday, like people with roller bags yeah. i mean they're if they don't have a room in downtown what are you gonna do well i get that and there is uh there is a, a contingent of people that do a bit of vagrancy during gen con they like like sleep in the hallways they find kind of like out of way out of the way spots in the indiana convention center and just kind of like hold up till security finds them and kicks them out. Um, and the, the, the vagrancy was even helped by this line 
it was able to reform for the next day at 6 p.m. the previous day. So there were like, anyways, there was like multiple lines going at all times. And it, it was, um, I mean, it, Thursday, in some ways, Thursday felt like the, I mean, Thursday and Saturday felt like the busiest days in the show floor. And I did a bit of a different thing this year. I mean, I did play some games. Like I played like two games um, because I didn't, one of the, and we'll talk about some numbers about the games, like uh, a number of events and stuff like trying to get into a game you want to get into is sort of like a crapshoot. And so I always like, just kind of like, uh, uh, Noland and one of our other friends, like they just get extra tickets for some of these games and like, I'll bum onto one of those, those tickets. So I played, uh, root and, uh, aliens and on the official schedule and i had a great time on those games um but it, it just one of the things where like it's sort of hard to get anything you actually want <laughs> out of the event system so i sort of didn't try so most of my time was done where i was wandering around trying uh talking to people and hanging out so that was really it was really more of a fly on the wall this year than than doing all the gaming in the world but yeah the uh i have a question off of that dan yeah. how was it to like buy tickets and have a schedule this i know year? i i bought ticket the buying tickets goes to the like overcrowded thing um for those that don't know i use normally gm and play with a group there at gen con called games on demand um which runs a bunch of uh quick two-hour demo pickup demos of uh indie rpgs typically uh basically not anything that's like super mainstream but there's no exact rules around that uh but you know basically not dnd um uh, and i normally uh run games for them and play with them kayla obviously uh has been running games for them and played with them in the past uh also uh yeah and they didn't uh show up this year Partially because they had, uh, you know, problems with uh, problems with uh, personnel and uh, enough people in leadership, and partially kind of they didn't really love the Gen Con's COVID policy. You know, in terms of no vaccinations, nobody can ask anybody to wear a mask, that kind of thing. Um, so they weren't there this year, so I actually had to buy tickets, and that goes right hand in hand with the hotels, like. Buying tickets is a goddamn nightmare. Uh, I did it. I, I did surprisingly well. Uh, I got to play a lot of new games. Uh, uh, as a result, uh, yeah, as a result of getting there. Uh, but um, yeah, it was definitely a different experience, like following a ticketed, you know, kind of thing, as opposed to just kind of going to games on demand and saying, Hey, can I try something new with you guys? You know, like that. It's a different kind of experience, right? Uh, I, I did okay. I think I liked it. I I, I got to see some uh, bigger games, but you know, I haven't played some bigger games. So, uh, but a lot of Magpie stuff, that kind of thing. Did Magpie have their own room this year? Again, uh, Magpie had a big old section on the floor Luke, of the football stadium. Lucas Oil oh, Stadium. Geez. Yeah, so they were they were in a big section down there. They were running a lot of games like they were the sixth the there's like 
some people like have kind of comb through the the number of games and and look at the seats and stuff and all that and they they ran the sixth most games yeah like the fifth or sixth most games uh at gen con was magpie run and yeah i can only speak for two two years ago because i wasn't there this year but they had their own giant room or segment of a convention of convention space um two years ago too so i was wondering if they kind of showed up in the same force that they did yeah it was a big force uh but you know screaming out on the thing i came back with laryngitis like the <laughs> thursday night like to the hotel room i was already starting to lose my voice yelling playing rude out on the whatever with a billion other people there um dcc was down there too on the on the football stage i wonder if like that would be better suited for the board games i'm not sure because you still have like rules and stuff that you're trying to hear there too Mm -hmm. but with role-playing games it's like you have to hear everyone's speech all the time because it's all narrative driven (laughs) so like i can't imagine that was super fun out on the football field I mean, I, yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't, it wasn't super great, but I don't think it was. I mean, I have been in uh, conf, you know, convention centers and conference rooms that were worse. Like, it what I mean, what the thing that made it worse was like the fact that they were had the jumbotrons playing ads, and not all the most of the ads didn't have any noise, but every once in a while, like this Dragon Ball Z ad would come on. Or whatever, and it had sound to it. So, I mean, there was like you going into any space where there's just like lots of people like talking, or you get this buzz and this pressure happening. But like in some of those like conference rooms, like some of those bigger conference room conference centers, like it's it can be like over overwhelming. I only had to kind of like lean in, kind of put my hand behind my ear a couple times. To hear what the game master was saying but i could hear what everybody else was saying so like i don't think it was i mean yes every all we all had to speak up but it wasn't like like deafening at least in my opinion i mean i don't know nolan you can you probably played a few more times down yeah there. i mean i don't know whether i got you know i don't know whether that you know obviously i probably caught something that gave me my laryngitis otherwise uh but yeah it was loud but it's fine um but I was interested, uh, come back to something you mentioned earlier, you know, you kind of had a different experience, RBK, running around, uh, talking with people, you know, shaking hands and, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, what was that like? Was that? Um, it was fun. Um, I mean, like, I did get to talk to some people. I mean, meet some people the, for the first time in person that I've. I, I didn't meet a lot of people like I mostly just kind of like wandered around and look at looked at stuff. But like I hung out with uh shout out to Diogo. We we like hung out like basically all Saturday uh, just kind of like and that guy knows everybody like you go from one booth to the next. that has got RPGs You're like, oh, Diogo. Uh, and uh, um, and he's, you know, it was it was great just kind of hanging out and like. um seeing seeing things from you know people that are more more public speakers because uh public uh you know figures 
Um, and I, I had a great time just kind of like randomly talking to some, you know, some, some other, I mean, mostly people he knows are people that have blogs or, you know, podcasts and stuff like that. But, um, I talked to Alan Barr and Matt Orr on, and you, if you see the previous episodes in the feed, that's one of them. And I talked to Scott from Storywood Games on, uh, uh, you know, and the microphone sounded really good. So I just, um, I, I had a hard time like going into booths and being like, Hey, is your marketing person or a designer around? Can I talk to them for five minutes? Like, and I, I talk a little bit about that in the other episode, but like, it's, it's one of those things that I was trying to do, but I couldn't quite get myself to do the thing. I basically just bought like $500 worth of RPGs and then, uh, <laughs> and, and, and then um, uh, kind of lugged them around for a while and hung out and talked to people. So I, I really had a fun time. Uh, and, you know, we played, uh, we played a, a game back in the hotel room, uh, Raccoon Sky Pirates. Um, it was, it was, I, asked, I only bought $200, $250 worth of games. Right. So yes. Well, we had raccoon sky pirates. <laughs> uh, and, uh, that was fun. I, I have some notes about that, that I, you know, I think I want to make my own variant of that game. Cause I have some, uh, it's fun. At some point but... we should all probably also actually read the rules before playing it. And so oh, like, that's not a game you need to know trying to build on. the car as we <laughs> yeah, drive we it. We're trying to like run it as or read it as we were running it so that's that's true it worked fine um but overall it, do you want to do you want to pitch reflection sky pirates sure uh so you're playing not anthropomorphic raccoons you're playing actual raccoons who have somehow cobbled together some sort of airship that you'd build at, in your first in the first part of the game from the different uh your different idea it's like a mad libs like choose a this and choose a that and then you make this like ship and you're trying live in a you all live in a junkyard yeah live in a junkyard and you're trying to get to a house of some variety so you can steal the good trash from that house because of course raccoons want all of the trash and uh yeah i think that was uh, it was a great deal of fun Um, yeah it's utter madcap nonsense there's lots of chances for things to go awry and you know yeah the kind of things that raccoons would do and yeah it's utter madness and silliness and it's good fun it sounds amazing (laughs) yeah we it it would probably be fun to break out at like uh our little friend convention or whatever once we somebody actually reads the rules because i own i think i own it i think uh Brad owns it and Nolan owns it. And like <laughs> it, it's a little box game. We should have just written on the papers. Like none of this, like preserve the papers. Just like it's, a, it's like, it reminds me of one of those old cheap ass games from the late nineties, early two thousands where it's like, Oh, here is all of the, here is the rules and a few cutouts and you provide your own tokens and your own dice and your own, little pawns and stuff like that's kind of like the feel because so we of course it didn't come with a d12 with the worst design oh yeah ever (laughs) yeah i think it would have made some uh graphic designers twitch because every side of the d12 had a different font on it so and they were often comically bad fonts because really really bad fonts like hard to little hard to read too 
um it was or very cartoonish or yeah like yeah um but we did, did the rules did... specify that you have to like find those pieces that they don't provide from the trash because i really feel like it should i mean it probably would if we had read it but that's exactly what we did is we went over to the trash and got a bottle cap out of the trash <laughs> to use as our ship um, excellent that's that's exactly what we did so you know there there's there wasn't there wasn't many two bits and too many pieces bits and pieces i think we did use trash for our when the wreck when we got to the house we used something something we used for our little pieces on the map um i can't remember what that was but it was it was good times like it was i had a lot of fun just hanging out with people and and talking to them that i've talked over the internet or on the show or whatever and i met some people that haven't been on the show yet but i'm trying to I'm trying to get them on the show at some point or just you know get out there and have those conversations right so but how was your godless con noland oh i did all right uh played a few things uh let's see what did i what did i what do i have here uh wednesday night before the con started uh we ran uh for the queen in the hotel room uh yeah, i forgot about that i have not i had not actually played that yet i have had owned it for ever and not actually played it i know you'd played it a number of times before yes. uh we did that you know uh kind of the crew from the room uh thursday i played uh root with the magpie folks uh, which could be called and rbk all rogues yeah yeah root was yeah kind of anthropomorphic animals that are all kind of sneaky rogue can, have you can, guys played the board game version of that? I, I have not. I I know it is derived read, from. <laughs> I attempted to read the rules once and then I quit. So, I I really hated the board game, like really hated <laughs> it. So when they came out with the role play, I was like, I don't know about this. Like I was not a fan. But whoever ran for Magpie the year I played it did a phenomenal job, and I actually had a lot of fun in their little weird political yeah. situation that they plopped us down in. So uh, yeah, we own, we personally own a copy. My therapy practice owns a copy and we have a lot of root stuff now, which one of my kiddos keeps going gravitating towards and like reading through it every time they're in the office, like maybe we should run this sometime. Mm. <laughs> Well, I, I, it was a weird vibe, right? It is a weird, like, uh, the cutesy animals are too cutesy for people who like backstabby politics and the backstabby politics are too backstabby for the people that like cutesy animal. Like, yeah. Well, my uh, understanding is the whole thing is based on the Afghan conflict. So, like, you know, there there is a faction that's basically like the foreign invaders. There's the faction that's the uh resistance there's the faction that's the alliance there's you know the, the and that's the problem with the the board game is it's an asymmetric war game so if you don't first of all if you don't like war games it's a strike against it second of all everyone has to learn different rules to play it so there's not like you can't you'd have to to teach it you'd have to learn all the rules and teach each person individually what their rules are or everyone sitting there reading their own rules, trying to like get this game going. I've had to tell multiple uh, families 
when I used to do conventions, like, hey, maybe you don't want to play that if you don't have three hours and your kids are not going to enjoy that no matter what it looks like. Even though it has cute animals on it. Even though it has cute animals. But the role-playing game, I feel like, could very well be... I mean, any D&D group, I think, could really grok this because all of the characters are basically rogues of different stripes. And you're just go you're basically trying to survive with all these factions trying to uh you know use you as pawns essentially well and you're coming from the powered by the apocalypse system so i feel like that really helps like you start with your basic player like book right and then you make the selections from there so it's really easy for character gen um yeah, no, I had a great time playing that game. Uh, I really liked the role play. I got to play some like pyromaniac, which spoke to my chaotic fire heart. So that, that was a lot of fun. Um, my husband was playing the game with me and he was like trying to be the lawful person to stop me from setting fires to literally everything. Um, so that was just another fun, <laughs> fun dynamic that existed. A metaphor for something. Anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was uh, it was a good time. We had a good group. Uh, I don't, I, I think, uh, I think you, you, the cutesy animals should not dissuade you from actually playing this game. That's if the playing the RPG, the you maybe not gonna want the board game, but the RPG, I think it it's a fine time. Uh, yeah. Then also on Thursday, I played Rapscallion, which is Magpie. I don't think it's in print yet, but it's their pirate PBTA thing. It's uh, pretty good. It's got a little like forged in the dark kind of influence there. Uh, definitely because like the ship, the pirate ship has a, uh, you know, kind of a playbook too. And, you know, our GM did a pretty good thing where, you know, we had lost the ship and we got used to the characters and so forth and then halfway through we found the ship and then we paused and built the character sheet for the ship and did that and it has a bunch of cool you know options on there of like oh the ship has a magic crystal in it that always tells you the way or the ship you know like you get there's a lot of cool weird magic pirate weirdness in there uh yeah i played the montebank who had a demon and you know got into all kinds of trouble trying to make deals with his demon and do magic and shit that that, that pretty, worked out pretty well uh let's see here friday played uh, uh rest in pieces uh, kind of a uh, game that uses a jenga block with a jenga tower with a couple different colored blocks uh white for generous things and or pro-social things and black for selfish things and you know and they're different um they're different sizes so it's easier to take the different color blocks yeah i have been told that i don't know if it's true but yes i have been told that easier to take the selfish things yeah that they'd been it slightly encourages you to be more selfish yes tyler (laughs) i i think tyler played with like maybe the creator or something and i have no idea where he played um if it was gen con or big bag con or where but he picked it up then and then somebody tried to use that jenga tower for dread and he's like that's not gonna work 
<laughs> like you don't want to do that. Right. Um I mean it's an interesting crossover. I mean I I sort of I sort of think you should do it, but that's <laughs> <laughs> Well, mainly they were just trying to run regular old dread and he's like that some of them are shaved a little bit and the others aren't. So but he he said it was a really interesting system. I don't know how you felt it was to play Dan. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's another uh, version of Dread, you know. Um, <clears throat> it wasn't, uh, yeah, it wasn't wildly uh, different to me. You know, the version of the scenario they had, you know, was more of a comedy setup. Uh, and so it was a lot less serious and a lot less tense than Dread. Uh, but we had a good time with it. Uh, you know, that one with Carter. Um. Yeah, also on Friday, I played a game based on the Chu comics books where the, uh, yeah, where there was a, uh, I don't know if anybody's familiar with those, but where there's uh, been a giant bird flu outbreak that killed tens of millions of Americans and uh, the FDA got all the uh, unbounded uh, arrest and extrajudicial powers to kind of do everything and people start developing food-based superpowers you know the comic book follows a character who has the ability to you know know everything that happened to anything he's eaten so uh, you, uh, you chicken the, is illegal yeah have you yeah. read the comic book i have read the first four trades okay. in preparation for this game because i bought tickets ahead of time <laughs> and you could buy trades on ebay for like four bucks a piece right yeah i really liked the comic books they were yeah. good so <laughs> yeah so that's silliness. Uh, played some of that. Did your character have a food power? I did. Uh, I was a techie type person and I could uh, carve working tools out of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was that was silliness. Uh, yeah. And we had to like there was a illegal volcano cook off taking place in on the food network it was it was silliness and ridiculousness uh we had a good time um let's see here uh what did we played raccoon sky pirates uh oh i played mazes uh and mazes till midnight uh which was kind of a an old an osr kind of thing kind of game uh and they did it uh basically from 10 to midnight uh in kind of this ballroom that they had blacked out and had UV light shining on everything and all the like little tokens for your health and everything were phosphorescent in the black light. And, you know, it was kind of, that was a silly, uh, fun thing. Uh, what else did I do? Yeah. Some, some miscellaneous other things. Uh, got a demo of old gods of Appalachia, which I also need to run. I'm not a full session, but you know, the guys at the, at the booth demoed it for me so uh, how how was that was it was it uh yeah i've not done cypher before um it's kind of i like cypher i mean it's a fine d d20 variant but yeah um i didn't get to see a lot of the differences uh that are going to be in there for old gods and in terms of like what you know i assume that's mostly in terms of the ciphers and so forth and the setting uh and i know the setting from the uh, radio drama podcast whatever you want to call it um uh, of kind of you know 
Lovecraft meets, you know, backwoods Appalachia. Uh, yeah, so, you know, it was a short demo of like 40 minutes or whatever. You get to see the powers and see, you know, kind of how you burn down uh, your different traits to uh, kind of succeed and also take damage. You know, it's uh, not all that dissimilar from the phase rip thing, though they aren't your advancement, uh, but it, they serve kind of a dual purpose, like you have points in speed and so forth, and you can take those as damage or you can, you know, use them to succeed. So it's another case where you have a resource like that that has two uses and you have to like balance how you use it and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it was interesting. Uh, I'd not played Cypher before, weirdly, and it was a good opportunity to, to do that. And, you know, I do mean to read my, I'm a backer of Old Gods of Appalachia, which is why I went to go demo it. Uh, you know, I'd like to get the group together in the backwoods of nowhere and uh, just run some creepy uh, Appalachian stuff in the creepy Appalachians. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yes. but I just received. I'm my all book in on other, this plan. I just received my book the other day, so because um, they had it there, and I was like, "Wait, I haven't got my Kickstarter thing." And they're like, "Actually, about three weeks ago, you should have clicked the thing to get your book." I'm like, "Damn it!" Well, <laughs> they're doing it in batches too, which makes it yeah. like hard to track. Like, so certain things are coming out before other things, and you have to kind of pay attention. It was. Like I got my dice and dice tray thing a while ago, but just got the book and I don't know. I assume the PDF came out at some point too that I haven't claimed yet. So I should probably do that, but it looks cool. Just like the, uh, a friend of mine kickstarted the die, uh, based mm. off the graphic novels. Um, and that book looks pretty nice too. I haven't delved into it. He's left it at the house so I can, peruse it nice which one was your favorite of all the games that you played um i think i was most surprised by i think i most enjoyed the rapscallion piece at magpie that was uh you know i like a good pirate thing and i had not found something that really scratched that itch in a while and that was you know that had a lot of uh it had a lot of cool occult stuff to go along with the pirate stuff and i definitely uh enjoyed that and like all the options on the character sheets and all the options for the ships and stuff were really evocative and i i enjoyed that um, so I, I think if i had to pick that might be it thanks um yeah so i have a question uh are we are we gonna you know, i mean you know we're not gonna decide this here and now but uh are we going to uh, go back to Gen Con? It's getting really, 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 really full. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And I I don't just, I mean, like, I'm all for trying to either go. I mean, we're gonna, if we want the big con lifestyle, like, there's really only two other options, right? That there's Origins and uh, PAX Unplugged. Are really yep. the two other options for like that big, 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 and con. even those are like both of those, I think, are like half the size of Gen Con. Like, those would still be big steps down, like, which is fine. Down. Like, I don't need 70,000 people to play the games I want to play. I mean, matter of fact, like, I mean, I liked Big Bad Con quite a bit, uh, uh, but like, I don't really want to 
but that's it's quite not, small, right? That's like yeah, three, four hundred, few hundred people. It, it, it at some point I'll return. Um, but uh, you know, that's I only need a few hundred like-minded people to play the games I want to play. So like, that's fine. Um, but I think I would like to try. I'd like to go back to Origins because it's been about twenty years since I've been to Origins, and uh, and Pax Unplugged is really close to a lot of people that I know on the East Coast, so it's very convenient, as they say. More convenient. Yeah, I have a feeling that that is uh, Tyler and I are trying to plan to go to Pax Unplugged this year, just because we missed out on Shen Con. So. Uh, yeah actually checking it out instead of working the whole time which is what our experience was last time which was fine it was a fun experience to kind of network and do the like actually working a convention scene but i have no opinions or input on how the gaming scene is because of it so yeah being working a booth is uh like i said respect you respect the people that work the booth because they got they got a long slog to get through um yeah it's my intention to go up to to pax uh this year and probably i'll just go up for the saturday or whatever just make a day trip of it but uh yeah i'd like to scope it out and see if is this what we want to do for for a big con this year this coming year or not I will say my hesitation from like seeing it last year from like just trying to get scheduled is it really makes me nervous that I would have to schedule my events the same day. Um, But Games on Demand was there last year. I think that they're slated to be there this year. So that's always an option if you can't get the tickets that you want is go fill it in with some on demand stuff. Well, that's that's the problem with these bigger cons is is uh you know there's not a lot of you know there's all this hype and everyone wants it because they're a lot of people are are uh, traveling so they want to schedule their entire time up and so you know there's there's not a lot of availability that's easy that you know because really realistically i want to play like one or two games a day rpg length right four hours two to four hour games right and then i want to like wander around eat some stuff drink some beverages and uh hang out like i will say there was some legit food choices around pax unplugged which was nice like that was a big difference that i noticed from even like gen con where gen con has restaurants that you can certainly walk to and like get in but they're they almost feel limited compared to what unplugged has around it. And that just might be a reflection of Philadelphia versus Indianapolis, but Indianapolis is like a destination downtown. Like you don't, people don't really live too much in downtown Indianapolis. So there's not like a demand for 24 hour a day, uh, a food service of a, of a certain quality. So, and, and, so that's why you have like the high highs and the low lows. <laughs> you have both uh uh multiple uh subways per block and like uh St. Elmo's Steakhouse. Like 
it's, it's like there's not like i mean there's a few in the middle there but it's like real hard to get into those so you're either going to be like hey oh top tip uh steak and shake finally installed a window onto the sidewalk so instead of standing inside of steak and shake and being disappointed and watching people eat while you stand in line inside of steak and shake you could just walk up to the side of the building and grab a burger pretty quickly and then get it a few minutes later and then fucker off to like the open field, uh, the little park across from the convention center, which is what I did, which was one of the nicer Zen moments I had. So, but yeah, that's food. Cho I hear great things about the food choices in Philadelphia. I hear, you know, cause it's, it's, a you know, it's an older city that had a downtown that was more alive and it seems like they've been able to come back or, maintain that sort of idea so and the uh the food trucks at gen con were uh a bit of a well as as they always are they were just a line city it was just lines it was all well, lines. i can't imagine their normal number of food trucks because i'm assuming they didn't have they had, had like a ton more they had more they had like they twice did. as many and the lines were twice as long about 70,000 people is a lot of people to jam into like that area. Well, so it wasn't on George Street anymore. Georgia. It's Georgia Street. It's on South Street between the convention center and Lucas Oil. They just shut down that road mm -hmm. between the convention center and the football stadium. And then they put all the 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 trucks right there. But and uh, the noodle line was super long, but that place is like, you have two options. You want noodles or noodles with chicken. And it just moves really very, very quickly. Yeah, but, they turn and burn some food. That, that's the top tip. But um, there was a lot of food trucks I would have liked to try. But every time I looked at one, the line got longer. And I was like, nope, I'm going to go over here. So, um, yeah, I... I there is something to be said about Gen Con itself and the, you know, it's the big show, right? And the people, the international people that show up and, you know, I met Yonor of, and all that, the crew of the, the Stockholm Cortel crew at the free league booth. You're probably, you're not going to meet those guys at most other American conventions. Um, you know, also, we might have some content from them from a while ago. That that'll be fun. Uh but um I uh I I in some ways I will miss it, in other ways I I only really need to go to Gen Con every like three years or something like that. So I will years. say that I think that they might be the only ones, or at least I've only seen the like pre-convention um business side of things where you can actually go and get training and i thought that that was like really cool the year that i went there um and did training because they do like rpgs and in the classroom stuff and so like teachers can come and learn how to use some of the like games and stuff that you can buy there at gen con in their classroom to like kind of help with engagement and stuff. And that was a really interesting thing that I'm not sure. Oh, like smaller convention would have. 
No, generally they won't. I mean, there is, uh, you know, they have a, a very healthy, um, you know, uh, presentation track that, that I've never actually gone to any of them, but they look, some of them look cool. Just never got around to it. And a lot of them sell out. So yeah, that's, that's the other part of Gen Con that like is sort of slightly annoying is it does cost you at least $2 to do anything with an event. There, there are some free, there's some free things you can just show up to, but for the most part, it's going to cost you money to stand in space. And, right. uh, you know, that's, I think that's the way of the future. I think that's how most conventions are going to be able to like handle the increased prices of a lot of stuff, but. And it's how, you know, especially since Gen Con turned over the uh this is let me inside baseball is gen con but like it used to be uh the prices at gen con uh were like two dollars for a two-hour game and or any fraction thereof and you know you know four dollars for a four-hour game and you know this it was just all standard pricing and so forth uh and if you worked so many hours uh running games and so forth uh, Gen Con would come for your badge, and if you work the whole weekend, uh, running games and so forth, uh, Gen Con will come for your hotel room shared with four other people or three other people. Um, and you know that ability for you know GMs to basically come for free if they worked the whole weekend, uh, basically eight hours a day, uh, was one way they kept themselves in GMs and so forth. Uh, well, it's been a while now. I don't know, you know, six years or something back, five years back. I don't remember. Uh, they let people raise those prices above the two dollars for two hours, uh, and sell like eight eight dollar tickets to a, a four hour game, and they let the GMs then pocket some of that profit on top of. Uh, Gen Con's kind of base price that covers the rooms and so forth. Uh, and I think they're hoping, you know, that's going to keep them in GMs and so forth. If people can make a little money uh, running games at the con, uh, that they'll have enough GMs to cover, you know, the number of events they need to provide entertainment for 70,000 people. I think that's what they're trying to do there. Uh with that, and I don't know, like, if it's successful, like, uh, but it sure is shitty for people who, you know, can't afford it, but, like... Right. Well, it's can... also one of those, like, hopefully you do well at picking your GMs, because are they necessarily worth the right. extra money that you're kicking towards them? Because the uh, the last time I went, some of them were like, oh, I just got the PDF of this game last night, and I'm like... Why are you running this at Gen Con? <laughs> so. Right. And I understand certain publishers, you know, they need somebody to fill in, you know, in one of their GM spots or whatever. But usually those publishers are not running the, you know, game that costs $16, right? Which is not an exaggeration. Like there was, you know, some people from our group that went $16, $20 for a four hour game, right? And, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully you're charging that much for a game. Your GM is really, you know, you're really providing a pro quality kind of 
uh, thing at that point, I hope. But at least know. I hope you you have vetted your GM to the point of like, cool, you represent the the gaming experience that we want our players to see. Yeah. Um, well, in I, some I, way, at least. I mean, I think I don't I mean, I haven't signed up for any of these companies, but that's not the impression I get. I think it's just like they're they're banking that their fan base is the kind of people that they want to run games. Right. Yeah. And, um, but a- anyways, I think we'll have we're going to have to continue this conversation about whether we're going to go to Gen Con or not. I think Gen Con is one of those things where like sort of feel like it should plateau, like there shouldn't be more people there like you. The, just like the space just not does not allow that many more people. Um, but I suspect there's going to be a record turnout next year, like with or without us. So. Um, well, at a certain point, it probably has to turn into like the the Comic-Con situation where you sell out like sold out is not just and uh, they did. individual games, but it's like the convention is sold out and they did. Uh, you know, all over the front of the uh, by Friday or whatever, by Friday morning or whatever, all the front doors to the convention center said there are no more Saturday passes and all four day badges are sold out. Good. The end. Right. Like, so yeah, there was, you know, uh, you could still get a Sunday badge, but for the, you know, just the half day that the con exists on Sunday. But yeah. I, um, and that, I mean, if, if this, if we go back, I'm definitely going to try and like sell my badge on Sunday because the line on Sunday was just crazy. Like, I don't understand it because we were just like walking around because I was waiting for uh, my dad to pick me up. And like th- we were walking around and like the line was just insane. And I was like, what are all these people going to do with the rest of the day? Because it's going to take hours to get to the ticket i was like who wants to give me 50 bucks for this badge right now (laughs) because i guarantee you someone been like sold and and that may be another buzzkill tip is just like if you're not going to do anything on sunday just sell your badge to some person that's in line because it's insane like i don't i don't even it it's hard for me to logically think they should allow the lines to even get that long on Sunday. It's like, oh, we're sold out on Sunday. But they got a business. They got to run it. And uh, hey, we're kept in business by the by the amazing patrons of patreon.com slash fullmetalrpg. I want to thank them thoroughly for putting up with my, with the summer vacation, the summer gap. Uh, I did pause the billing for August. So we got some you know content in a little in june and nothing in july and i just felt like we'll just pause august to make up for july and put out some content and then get back on schedule for september and uh i've got uh i've got a couple things lined up for september but we're gonna we're gonna get back into this uh making content thing and i think we've got some fun ideas uh coming up so patreon.com slash fullmodrpg if you want to be part of the 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 zealots the crew the discord uh the discord itself is free but we have a little patreon uh area on there where um i'm gonna post an unedited version of this show where we're gonna have a little uh because usually we'll say something like oh man i wish we had uh said that on the show right after i say goodbye so uh we're 
I'm going to try try that uh, that ploy. So we're going to post that in the, the Patreon uh, channels in the Discord because more people are going to see it than actually posting it on Patreon. Um, but I might, I'll probably post it there too. Uh, yeah. So, uh, thanks everybody for, uh, hanging out and talking about Marvel and, uh, pay, uh and Gen Con. I might even d divide this into two episodes. So, you know, you might get two episodes, uh, uninterrupted on the Patreon. Cause we're at like an hour and a half. So, <laughs> um, well, thanks everybody. Uh, have a good night. 